Hi, welcome back to Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show about passion, flow, and creativity, where we talk about finding ourselves in our stories. I'm your host, Aaron Holman, and our guest today is... Lily Doe. Lily, happy you were able to be on the show today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. All right, let's get started. You have a cat. <laughs> you hear my kitty. I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, keepers at the door at the moment. All right, so Lily, welcome to the show. Welcome to Eye to Eye. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, you know, in the circumstances, right? Yeah, doing the best we can. Um, Things are changing so quickly as we were talking um, before. So Lily, do our listeners a favor. Let us know who you are how you'd like to, I don't know, explain yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. I am Lily. Um, let's see. I s- usually tell people I am an admin by day, but teacher by night. Mm. You know, um, I write on my, you know, I mainly journal on my free time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, um, and I collect stories. I'm a story collector. Very um, nice. Yeah. And then draw. Yeah, you know, it's a little, I'm a jackie of all trades, master of none. Yeah, I I love that spirit. That's one that I embody as well. Um, definitely master of very few to none. <laughs> <laughs> You've been drawing for a long time. Those out there listening, we've known each other for a very long time since elementary school, right? I, you know what? I knew of you back in sixth grade, actually, but I didn't actually talk to you until mm. seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so we were what, like twelve when we met. Weird. I know, I know. And then let's see, known each other since high school, and then haven't talked to each other for what ten years. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, like I get a message from you and said, actually, I think you were just like kind of see where we were, and then I was like, we're like a few hours away. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I'm in Eastern Washington, and you're in um, Portland. Portland. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but you had a huge impact on me in your drawing and in the anime that you shared with me. Those two things were, I mean, still affect me to this day. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was, I stopped drawing like after high school and didn't draw until the beginning of last year in which I kind of picked it up back again, like this ink and pen and ink drawings, you know, where Mm -hmm. I've been obsessed with dogs lately. I mean, your work is incredible. It it was incredible then. And then to see the things that you are doing now, I've seen them online. Your stuff is very realistic. It's so impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I forgot just how meditative drawing is. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, when I get into it, I just like, it feels like all I'm thinking about is where does this line relative to this line and then where does that line is relative to that line all of a sudden there's a picture yes (laughs) I think about it in terms of color choice whenever I'm drawing and it's the relation of the colors to one another I like to pick up like one pen and the single color is then like a frequency and so I have to put as much of it as it needs to be but it's interesting I'm not looking at it far away 
It's in the details of like, it needs to take up this much space, this much space mm -hmm. in relation to these colors. And then when it's done, I mean, my stuff is quite abstract, but uh, it does then have a semblance like uh, it all fits. Oh, I'm curious for you, whenever you're creating, um, you know, your piece of art, do you have an idea what it's going to turn out or is it like you just free flow? Um, it is free flow 90% of the time. And I think it is free flow because that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing right. that flow feeling. And it is achieved for myself when it is less analytical and more intuitive. Because that is, I mean, maybe it's different ways that we think because I am so analytical, right? That I can take a piece of poetry and just spend like an hour, you know, like dissecting it. And that's so much fun. It is. It really is. And, you know, the beauty of it and all that. But I'm just saying for me, it's like, I thought that I wasn't creative back in high school because I could never draw anything out of my mind. I needed to see something. Right? I always had a reference, you know, and I, for some reason, back in high school and beyond, I was like, that's not creativity. That's, you know, that's copying. That's copying. Right. Which it really is not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not tracing things, which I definitely did growing up. Because <laughs> I was jealous of people who could draw. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's how I got back into drawing was tracing. Wow. I would get on my iPad and I'll put like a, you know, a layer that's a little bit uh, lighter and I'll trace over it and I'll start coloring it. And funny enough, that was actually, I'll say, like, oh, this is, this is how lines are. You know, this is where this is in relation to. So when I was started thinking about flow for the show, I was thinking, well, what exactly is flow for me? Because I mean, I do write and I do, you know, draw and like we said earlier, a conversation, to me, that is creativity, right? When you're in a good conversation. Yeah, you're creating on the spot. Yeah. So I, what I wanted to know was, what do all these have in common in the state of flow, right? I mean, for me, is everything seems to just click. Everything just seems to sync together. Like when I'm running, it's whenever I'm breathing and I'm not dying. <laughs> And whenever my legs aren't just killing me, <laughs> yeah. right? When those two are together and I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm in the zone. Mm -hmm. It's all in balance and sort of harmonious. Yeah. Mm. It's that holistic sense of like it all works together. And I think it can be achieved different ways. It's interesting that you mentioned running because I actually just started doing that again um, as like a means of fitness for myself. And I love it. It's really yeah. enjoyable. I'm losing time. That's yeah. something I think is a common in states of flow. Loss of time. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my biggest signs that it's happening. I don't always recognize it when I'm in it, but I can step back and recognize that I'm in it. Me either. Yeah. I mean, there will be times, I mean, and I practice meditation. So there are times in which I pause. I'm like, hmm. you kind of gain a sense of curiosity right? Like, oh, this is what I've been doing for the last two hours. Yeah, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's always about that time I, I notice my body again. Uh -huh. It's a, a sort of separation from the physical a little bit as well, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I think 
whenever I am doing my photography, for instance, and I'm looking at this flower for like a good minute, right? And, and then it's like, oh, there's a breeze coming through. And I just want to mm. capture that. How do I go about doing that, right? So I think when everything clicks, you realize everything's connected. When those lines are put together and, oh, you created a, a piece of work, or when you're writing and then that piece of writing just comes together, you realize that it's all these ideas. When we're having a conversation and that aha moment comes along, it's like, oh, crap, it's all connected. And that one thing begets another. Yeah, and more creativity flows from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mind blown. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I have a theory that the very act of creation is not necessarily something that human beings can do on their own. And so that state of flow and the reason it, it's something to be attainable or great things can be made out of it is because I think it's a coming together with something larger than yourself. You know, you can call it whatever you want. Um, some people will say God, some people will say source energy. Some people will say the collective unconscious, right? whatever you want. Um, whatever makes sense to you, that's a perfect reality. And I think getting into that flow state is a place in between being here and being connected mm -hmm. there or to it right. or whatever. Um, and it's the distance in between those things, much like you were talking about the distance between yeah. those lines and how the one line informs you about where the other one goes. It's kind of like an agreement and a cooperation between that larger energy uh -huh. and you. And by putting those two things together, then you can create something new. No, I, I agree. To borrow from Ann Bertoff, who writes about composition in the classroom, she says that um, meaning is created through, from chaos. So, mm -hmm. you know, when a student is writing what appears to be chaos at first, you kind of need it there. And then you order that chaos, you order all of that, and you take stuff out, you move things around, you revise it, and then meaning is created out of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, though I'm spiritual, I'm not very religious, but I am, Yeah. I think from the last, I don't know, I'll say about four or five years, I have been uh, really diving into different forms of meaning making, right? So... I like that. I like that phrase, meaning making. What do you mean by that? So I, I think that, and I'm borrowing this from Emily Esfahani Smith, who wrote uh, the book, The Power of Meaning. Mm -hmm. So I, my story begins really in the last few years at a, funny enough, a meditation retreat. At, uh, wow. A, yeah. Um, I've never done it, one of those. I'm Oh, I, oh, I, highly encouraged it was a silent retreat though <laughs> i know that would be so, very hard <laughs> i agree it That's was hard for very me real that would be hard <laughs> well because i you know i collect stories and i wanted to know why everybody was there i was like 
ooh, I really want to know, like, what brings you here? How'd you get here? Yeah. I know, you're right. So, but at the end of it, sitting in this room, you know, with 50 other people, and everyone's silent. Wow. Right? You know, and everyone is present, right, in the moment. But we kind of, we all have our, you know, our, the company of each other. And that was really, like, profound. I didn't have to, yeah, profound in one way. And another thing was, it was me trying to figure out why I wanted, I was there to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I here? And that was, that was the question over and over again. I mean, it became a bigger question. Why am I here? Oh my right? gosh. Yep. <laughs> and um, I guess the question became, okay, from what is the meaning of life is translated to what's the meaning of my life and how am I going to kind of create that meaning? That makes sense. Yep. So Smith talks about this study by Dan McAdams mm-hmm. and he talks about different types of stories we tell ourselves. So two types are the redemptive stories and the contamination stories. So in a redemptive story, you start out, you have challenges, right? Yeah. You know, this thing about a book, the main character has challenges. They go through rough things, but it always ends in, I, I learned something about myself or about the situation or, right? So even though there are challenges, we still create meaning out of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Now, in a contamination story, you start off, it's kind of like a tragedy, right? Like Macbeth or Hamlet. You start off high, and then you always end in a kind of a lower state. So, you know, I got this new job, but then, you know, I hate it. Or I got married, but then I found out that I have, I don't know, uh, that she cheated on me or she, right. you know, whoever, right? Yeah. So the way we frame our story is how we make meaning to our personal reality. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about that? Like with that knowledge, what mm-hmm. do you do with that yourself? Well, number one, I think, you know, it's crazy to think that um, we have that much control over the stories we tell ourselves yes you know uh but is that ever elusive like self-control Ooh, um i think it's it's an awareness hmm. right just you know just like hmm this thought this is a reoccurring thought but can i you know just what if i shift that just a little bit right yeah mm-hmm. it, i mean in in some ways it is self-control but it's more of a nudging like being gentle to yourself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it does require gentleness. It does. To like yeah. coax yourself into um, transformation or healing or uh, yeah. into some of those places. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and that's partly why I journal because I want to see. So let's say, I mean, hope this doesn't sound like narcissistic of me. Uh-uh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Um, I mean, we're recording ourselves. Um, This is narcissism. (laughs) Okay, so 
the reason why I journal so much is I want to see the change that my character, me, yes. undergoes in a span of however long the journal lasts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to see, do, am I making a change and am I living that change? Hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of an accountability with yourself to see, well, what did you really want and do? Interesting to have that roadmap in a journal. You mentioned a phrase, you said the power of meaning, and uh, you were talking about stories we tell ourselves, or was that Dan McAdams? That's Dan McAdams, yeah. That's Dan Mm -hmm. McAdams. Uh, It brought to mind the stories we tell ourselves. That is a phrase that I first heard in Brene Brown's work. Oh, yeah. And she compared it in relationships. You know, uh, she's been in a long-term marriage, and just uh, she related it to a story of swimming far out. She yelled something to... uh, her husband, and he misunderstood what she said because of the distance. And so he didn't respond the way she expected. And so that whole time swimming back to shore, she was telling herself this other story of, why is he so disconnected from me? Why is he not listening to me? And, you know, in reality, um, he was dealing with his own very real reality of he was having anxiety while swimming. And so he was counting to himself um, just to keep calm, to be able to swim back to shore, you know, um, but she had been able to fill that gap in hers with something else. Uh, Right. And that was two very contrasting realities coexisting Mm -hmm. in the same space. That's funny you bring that up because, I mean, isn't that what we all do? Oh, my God. Gosh, it's disturbing though sometimes. Yes, right. I mean, but I, I, I think that's so interesting. I, I love that. That is mm-hmm. what makes us human, right? Yeah. You live in your reality. We have a physical reality, right? And mm-hmm. in every sense of, I mean, Trump is president. There yeah. we go. That's physical reality. How we see that is our personal reality. Yeah. Do, you know. Uh, How we, we feel about that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So, in the interaction between us is our realities intersecting. That beautiful Venn diagram moment. Exactly. Yeah. To have, say, even a, a good conversation, even if you feel uncomfortable during it, it, it just means that, that your realities are in contact with each other. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Right? Yeah. You can grow out of it. You can create a redemptive story out of that uncomfortableness just have to be aware of it. Uh, that's so interesting to hear you say that. I was visiting a friend today and um, since the lockdowns have begun, mm-hmm. I've limited my social group to honestly like three, four people. Yeah. And um, I've opened it to about three or four other people now. Right. And so I went to see a friend who I haven't seen in a while and we went on a walk and you know, we're talking and the conversation was great and it concerned race, Mm -hmm. um, how she wants to talk to her son about these issues that are happening and how important it is to. And one thing led to another and we found ourselves in territory that was making us very emotional with one another. Right. That wasn't comfortable, Mm -hmm. but it 
was worth it because it meant something, you know, Uh, that exchange of information that we were having in that moment for both of us was more real because it was a shared reality. Yes. Yeah. I think race is definitely one. I mean, if I, and I've had conversations, same thing with my Mm -hmm. friends where I am explaining and, and just explaining in not a condescending way of a, Hey, did you know, you know, yeah. So this is my reality. This is where I'm coming from. Is that where you're coming from? Yeah. And if not, will that teach me where are you coming from? And I'll meet you there. Yeah. You know, let's let's go halfway here. Yeah. I agree. That definitely is very important. I have found in my life people get uncomfortable when your realities are opposing. Do you think that you should adjust your reality to make others comfortable? Do you think stick to your guns? Oh, well, what, what's the, what do you think? I mean, number one, I think people are very passionate. Yeah. And I think that people tend to fall back on emotion. Mm-hmm. Right? Which I think it's really important at those times to listen. It's very hard when emotion is mixed in. Mm-hmm. But you can still state, hey, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in this. This is mm-hmm. not, you know, right in my mind, right? But here's why. But here's where now then at this point, I would be repeating back their argument. Because a lot of people when they feel like they're listened to that is number one. That's where I think communication breaks down so easily. Because yeah. People talk past each other. I think whenever, especially in an online climate, right, yeah. where people go on rants and then other people fall back into their own two, three paragraphs and then they just, no one's listening. They're not actually taking in yeah. each other's perspectives. They're just waiting for their moment exactly. to express yeah. their own. You, you hear to reply. You don't hear to listen. Mm-hmm practice that I have tried to get into as I'm getting older. Um, and it, it's a form of meditation uh, because I have to go to a meditative state to even try to achieve this mm-hmm. is when I don't like what somebody's saying, but it's not harmful. Mm-hmm. You know, when I just don't agree with, I don't know, whatever your choice may have been in the moment um, to not take it personally. Yeah, but to actually put that into practice and not just say that word, but to really like (laughs) not take it personally. (laughs) Somebody doesn't agree or they don't like or they don't whatever as you. Mm -hmm. It is not an attack necessarily. There are times where it is, but we're not discussing (laughs) those times, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I've had arguments before where, you know, Someone says something and automatically I think, wow, they're like challenging my character here. Yes. And then, you know, I'll say something in reaction. And then that creates a whole thing. Yeah. But if I took a moment to back off and we both take a moment to cool down, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start beginning to find empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, and then try to ask for clarification, you know, um, it's a matter of, hey, okay, so this is what I was going through. 
was this what was going through for you so that we can clarify what's going on here so we can get to the root of this you know uh either misunderstanding or the root of this problem or whatever it is that we're going through right now and what's the best possible outcome in that scenario then what is achieved Mm. i want to say understanding that's the first word that had come to mind for me. Right. Peace also comes to mind. Yeah. But it's like, is it always necessarily one of those things? I think that's something you can explore next time you get into a, you know, see. Hmm. Yeah. Like a conflict right. or something with someone and just exactly. be like, what are we, you know, even, even going back to this, you know, just understanding moment. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's just respect. Yes. Right. What, how do you define respect? I don't know. R-S-P-E-C-T. That's what Aretha <laughs> said to me. You know, like. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I guess respect, you know, to not feel the need to challenge me or to feel challenged by me. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. find, you know, it's, it's, it's balance. Yeah, you, you're balanced. You're on equal ground. Equal ground, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. And. That's, I think that's hard for a lot. I mean, me and myself included, there will be times in which I'm like, you know, unwittingly think something of another person and then, I mean, put myself above in a way like, oh, I have the higher moral ground here. But in reality, we just have our own realities that we're trying to, that's disconnected. Yeah. And that is our own and not that person's. And it really has nothing to do with them. It's your own inner self. (laughs) Right. And here's the thing. I think you need to be vulnerable to communicate that. To communicate, here's my reality. And, you know, I'm self-conscious about this. To be able to say that, you know, and to allow someone in on that Mm -hmm. takes a bit of courage. And you need to be vulnerable to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. I absolutely agree. I think, Lily, let's take a quick break. Time flies. I know. I don't don't even know. (laughs) We'll be right back. So we're talking about reality, the way our mind can shape those things in the stories that we tell ourselves. I would like to talk about words with you because you like stories and you like the written word. Yes. What do you think is the difference between the story you're telling yourself on the inside when it is your own reality narrative? And then what happens to that when you put it onto paper or even into words, like vocally? Okay. Uh... Do you find any difference? Hmm. Where I create it within my mind and then how does it translate? Correct. And does it transform? Is your art different when people start to consume it? Oh, that's true. Well, yes, for sure. I think that's a, uh, a thing about like when you put art out there, it's like no longer it's yours anymore. It's, you know, whoever's interpreting it, that's art is itself. Hmm. Like whatever intentions that you created, that might not be then what gets comes out or what how people interpret it. Um, there's something in this book about 
um, about the words we use for it. I love words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear that. All right. So uh, I'll start from here. And this is from uh, The Power of Meaning. It says, the writing exercise helped Pinbaker's subject forge meaning in several ways. First, by probing into the causes and consequences of the adversity, the subjects eventually grew wiser about it. They used more of what Pinbaker called, quote, insight words. Words and phrases like realize, I know, because, work through, and understand in their narratives. A father might realize, for example, that his son's suicide was not his fault. And understanding that could bring him some closure, right? And then oh, second, over the course of three or four days, they show a shift in perspective. So which Pinbaker measured through their pronoun use. Instead of writing about what happened to me and what I'm going through, they start writing about why he abused me or why she divorced me. In other words, they stepped away from their own emotional turmoil and try to get inside the head of another person. Mm, empathy. Empathy, exactly. Like you were talking about. Wow. Yeah. There's a story written. It's by the author of the comic of Dilbert, but he wrote this uh, long story called uh, The God File. Is it The mm. God File? Ooh! <laughs> we need to do a little bit of fact check after this. Yeah, you gotta do a fact check on that one. But, um, <laughs> The theory like uh, laid out in it is that God is, uh, okay, the, the standing theory would have to accept is that like God is omnipresent, omniscient, knows all, is all. And for the only way for that to be a reality is for God to have separated, you know, suppose into a big bang, uh, into all these individual pieces. And that individual piece essentially makes up our individual souls. And that is how each one of us individually has a life. Um, and every reality has to play out for God to be God. Hmm. Like every eventuality has to be there. Right. Otherwise God would not have understanding. God would not be able to know everything. There would, no, there would not be possible for God to be omnipresent and omniscient unless God was in every one of those moments themselves mm -hmm. and that means dark moments too you know the good ones the bad everyone every moment right so the collective becomes yes God itself right yes a representation of god and so we are important as individual but we really are that whole right yeah intersecting okay. well i mean that's why i you know a part of the reason why i created the collective journals mm-hmm that was such a great gift. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Yeah. So, yeah, the collective journal had. Um... Yeah, let our listeners know about that. Okay. Because that's not the only one you've done, right? No. Actually, you were the second person I gave. And then I believe I gave five more after that. Ooh. Yeah. So Chills. The, <laughs> uh, the collective journal was on the first page. I give you instructions, right? And each person writes three um entries so it could be as long as you want however way you want it you can draw in it you can write a list right um and then you create three journals and you pass it on to the next person and that person 
writes three and passes on to the next and keeps going down the line until the last person who writes in it reads all those entries and gives it back to the person who gave it to them. And then Mm -hmm. eventually like a boomerang comes back, hopefully back to me. Wow. Right. So the reason why I started it was because let's learn from each other. Yeah. The only person you really know most likely is the person who gave it to you. Or unless you, you know, it's a circle, right? But let's learn from the people and you never have to sign off on it. So it's just someone's experience. So I think so far, let's see, the first one I gave it to um, a gold grad friend. Then second one was for you, right? Um, third one, I gave it to my meditation teacher. You know, I gave another one to an old professor down in New Mexico. Um and I just, I spread it out as much as I yeah, could. Very, very good choice. Yeah. See where it happens to it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's fascinating. And I know for myself, um, I'm only going to tell you what my first entry was. Uh, you'll have to wait. Uh, I know. But um, the Can't first wait. one was, I want to say it was the day. No. No, I'm not going to tell you because I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> no. And I don't want to miss say it. I know. Yeah. You know? Right, no, I am so glad you have, you haven't told me because I want the surprise. Yeah. Right. Because if it can start to fade from my memory, uh-huh. that'd be great. You know, uh-huh. um, I love when stuff fades from my own and then, <laughs> you know, it can find its way back to me. It's like remembering an old friend. Yeah. Something you'd brought up a little bit ago, something that uh, happened to me with words and speaking them, it makes them different from just living inside your head. I think that's one of the big reasons that we connect with people because there's the potential for transformation in those moments of sharing with each other in those vulnerable moments where things can transform. Our perspective can shift, you know, uh, from saying something first. Uh, For instance, for myself, I went to Burning Man, uh, which is, you know, big festival in Nevada. And I went there in 2013. When I was there, I was taking a bike ride one afternoon, just going from one side of the playa to the other. Could have been about like a two hour bike ride. This place is massive and just desert. Uh And I came across a sign for something that's had a whole list of services, you know, and all of them sounded like new age or some sort of meditation or some sort. And the third one on the list was heart massage. And it just captivated me. Yeah. You know, I I had to know what that was. And I wanted it. Actually, before I even knew what it was, I wanted it. So I went in they took care of me for a while. They gave me water. They gave me a cloth, which actually I still have, you know, uh, to cover my head and keep me cool while I was waiting. And uh, somebody came out eventually and talked to me and was just like, hey, what would you stop by for today? What's up? You know? <laughs> and I was like, I was just really interested in this heart massage. I'd love to get one. That sounds like what I need. Um They took me back and I end up sitting there with these two people. One of them is there to be, I believe the way she phrased it was like uh, my totem 
or to be there as my uh, my grounding point, mm-hmm. um, just to be there with me, someone. Uh, and the other person, they were there, but they played a much more active role in engaging with me through talking with me. And they led me into a guided meditation where all three of us sat, got into a nice um, headspace together, very quiet. And then we started to talk about just a lot of things. Uh, And it went to my past. Something that happened to me in my childhood was my father was not there. That's actually how I ended up in Louisiana, you know, uh, was by my father not being there. My mother moved my sister and I down there as a way of starting things over. And that cost me a lot of pain as a seven, eight-year-old child. And now it's just part of my journey. But uh, what happened on that day is they ended up getting me to talk about that pain. They got me to talk about uh, things that I had only said to myself. Oh, so you never really talked about that specific things and it was power in very specific words that had a shifting like and I mean profound to the point where you know it was spiritual um I had release from pain that had been with me from eight years old and at that time I had to have been 23 yeah you know and pain that I had been carrying with me from that point to there was released all by them getting me to the point where I said, I forgive you. And yeah. I'm not going to say my father's name, but uh, I forgive you, father, for making me feel like I could be abandoned, uh-huh. making me feel like I was unloved, and for the pain that you caused my mother. I had never said those things out loud. I had only talked about those things, those literal sentences right. I had processed internally. And thought that that meant that I was healed. But to put it out into the physical world. Was transformative. Yeah. It literally took me to the ground. And uh, I think I had to lie down, you know, for a good 30, 40 minutes. Just because I was happy. And there was release. I know exactly what you mean. It is that identification, right? That even though you have these thoughts, it's like to say it to somebody else so someone else can hear it. Then it's almost like, like that epiphany moment. Oh, oh, I guess that was it. That was exactly what I've been feeling this entire time. And to acknowledge it. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels almost like this weight's been taken off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it was significant. Yeah. So, Lily, before we head to our final sections of the show, do you have anything else uh, you'd like to talk about today? Hmm. I could talk to you forever because this has been... (laughs) I know. Like, wow. (laughs) Hours would pass by by the end of this uh, (laughs) I know. Um, I guess right now um, I am exploring conversation. So I've worked on you know, meaning, right, my personal life. But like we said earlier is let's put this in conjunction with someone else's reality and multiple realities. So what happens to that when we can do that together? You know, uh, create meaning, a collective reality, right? So I think that's right now uh, 
where I'm headed towards. And I mean, in talking and having difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations, I think is where I, where I think that's going to come in. That's beautiful. All right. So we are moving on uh, to our final section of the show, and that is called Passions Lately. <gasps> oh. Lily, what are you obsessed with lately? Ooh, uh, I would say I have been on a binge of audiobooks lately. Wow. I, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know. I do uh, as well. <laughs> but audiobooks have been like the fact that you can get audiobooks from the library I don't know why I haven't done this yet but oh my goodness that was something I discovered I think about two years ago and it's transformed my life Libby is amazing yes exactly Libby yeah yeah it's one of the best kept secrets out there if you haven't gotten on Libby yet listeners all you need is a public library card and the world is yours. I know. And I mean, I think within one month, I've gone through eight books so far. Which one has been your favorite this month? Ooh, okay. Um, you know, I finally got around to listening to The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It's a great book. You know, it actually um, really well-written and well-narrated just it's it provides a perspective that is both very enlightening but at the same time very relatable Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so i think that that's the one very nice Uh, my second one would be the first first 15 lives of henry august Hmm. which is really good if if you like a spy slash time travel book that's a good one yeah yeah that sounds that sounds awesome (laughs) What about you? Myself. Um, oh, well, I, I have been obsessed with um, I've been obsessed with Twitch, the app lately. Oh. Uh, that place is crazy. There <laughs> is everything going on there at all times. Um, but it's actually it's a really incredible place. And the more I learn about it, I think the more intrigued I am by it. I've seen a lot of people on there raising funds uh to donate mm-hmm. you know to uh a ton of you know bail funds and relief funds the a lot of things that are affecting us not just uh you know covid or um the mm-hmm. black lives matters movement it's a really fascinating place and you can have a lot of fun and help people there it's a very weird place so it's like a new avenue then yeah it really is i think it is definitely going to be one that you know post this lockdown quarantine time it is a on the rise platform all right yeah because people can just sort of create their own content they are their own tv oh so that would be that's cool it's like a sandbox or yes yes it is very much up to yourself what you do there (laughs) most people do it video games but that is not the case in fact i do uh on wednesdays i do wednesdays we read and i'm actually reading my favorite fantasy book series, um, which is the Sword of Truth series. Uh-huh. And I'm reading Wizard's First Rule there every Tuesday or every Wednesday. I need to check this out. Yeah, Twitch is crazy. Yeah. 
our final question for the pod. Okay. What is the most recent thing that's happened to you that's made you purely happy? Wow. Hmm. Purely happy. Yeah. Okay. I think I got one. So, you know, you said, uh, I said that I journal a lot and I just completed one of my journals very recently, actually. Big accomplishment. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, When I started this journal, it was addressed to nobody, but I think a third in the way I started addressing it to one of my best friends. And it was actually just an exercise at first as a way of just like, what happens whenever I change the focus of the audience, right? To just nobody or to myself, you know, than to somebody. And then I just kept on with it to a point where at the end, by the end, I realized that, you know, I need to give this to her. Wow. So on her uh, birthday weekend, I gave it to her and, you know, it was like, wow, this is extremely like, I, I knew I was going to do it prior, right? So there was that sense of this is pretty scary because I've never given this, you know, something yeah. like this very personal, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, it was like releasing, like, hmm, all right, I'm done with this one. Let's keep wow. going. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I think that's that's what's been making me pure happy right now. <laughs> I... I'm speechless. I think that's the coolest thing I've heard this week. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for being on the show today, Lily. I really sincerely appreciate you. And having me. Yeah. We will definitely be open to having you back because again, (laughs) I think I could just talk to you nonstop. Uh, Before we go, uh, any social media promotion, shout outs that you want people to know about anywhere they can follow. Um, Yes, actually. Uh, if you never heard of, if you're around the Portland, Oregon area, uh, I would highly recommend checking out Right Around Portland. So mm-hmm. you can write writearound.org. Mm-hmm. Um, they do really good work there. I w- was a facilitator prior to everything shutting down. And they do writing workshops and their outreach programs. So they do um, different creative writing workshops in like group homes and um, low income housing and um, senior centers. So just different places in the community where you can just write and it's free. It's a great resource. Yeah. So check that out. Um, And if you want to check out my artwork, I do have an Instagram. So it's uh, Lily, Lily Doe underscore art. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you again being here so much. Yeah. This was fun. I know. It really was. (laughs) So uh, thank you for joining me on Eye to Eye today, Lily Doe. Thank you, listeners, for being here with us. Now go outside. We'll be here when you get back. This episode of Eye to Eye was edited by Dylan Newman and the theme song written and performed by Emily Easley. Make sure to rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy podcasts today. Mm